Thank you, worship team, for teaching us God's Word through music. That is the goal of our singing, to teach and encourage one another through singing truths about who God is. Now, you're going to see an empty grave here, which I know is shocking. It's Easter. But what's more shocking is that we are going to be speaking exactly what comes next as we've been walking through the book of Acts. It's been nearly a year that we have been going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and for some of you experience, uh, excruciatingly so. But this is my 16th Easter message at Trinity. And so there's always this, this odd pressure that sometimes comes up, like, how do I approach Easter in a new and fresh way after 16 years? Newsflash, grave still empty, all right? It's kind of hard to build that suspense. So then my heart's like, well, you want to know what? Just being reminded of truth is precious enough. So I'm looking at Old Testament prophecy. I'm looking at New Testament. I'm looking at Jesus teaching about his coming again, or his resurrection. And I'm like, did that, did that, did that, did that. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just do something again. And I'm like, well, while I try and find it, I'll at least read Acts chapter 13. And lo and behold, it is about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up in verse 14 this morning, and it's going to sound a little bit like this. Peter is off the scene. He's gone. He has been delivered from prison. We will never hear from Peter again in all of the book of Acts. Everything now is Paul, who was Saul, named after King Saul, but now is named Paul, which means small. Because Christ must increase, we must decrease. And we pick up in verse 14, and this is talking about Paul going up from Perga. They arrived in Poseidon of Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and they sat down. And after reading from the law and of the prophets, the Old Testament. The synagogue officials sent to them saying, Brethren, if you have any words of exhortation for the people, say it. And so Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, Men of Israel and those of you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their lands as an inheritance of which you took about 450 years. I know what you're thinking so far. What in the world does this have to do with Easter? We'll get there. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will from the descendants of this man, according to the promise God brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed his coming at the baptism of repentance to all of people of Israel, and while John was was completing his course, he kept saying, what do you suppose that I am? I am not the Messiah, but behold, he is coming, and after me his sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
Brethren, sons of Abraham and family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither Him nor what He taught of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath concerning these things by condemning Him. And though they found no ground to put Him to death, they asked Pilate, and He was executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning Him, they took Him down from the cross. That's Good Friday. They took Him down from the cross and they laid Him in the tomb. But here it is, verse 30. But God raised Him from the dead. And for many days He appeared to those who came up with Him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now His witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that He, here it is again, raised up Jesus. And it is also written the second psalm, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that He raised Him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, He has spoken in this way, I will give to you a holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, He also has, says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to be in the grave past three days to undergo decay. For David, after he had served his purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep, he died, and, we, and he is laid among his fathers, and he is still in the grave decaying. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and that through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. Therefore, I warn you, that's not a normal Easter part of the message. There's a warning that comes with the empty grave. So that these things spoken in the Old Testament, the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and you marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, even if someone would describe it to you. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people begged them that they might speak again the next Sabbath. Let's ask God's blessing and we'll walk through the plan of history that God has for each and every one of us in this room. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we are so thankful that you have risen. That it is a historical fact. Father, we are not here because we want to be religious or tip our hat on Christmas and Easter. We are here because you are God. Jesus is God in the flesh. And his Holy Spirit is equally God. We worship you, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit be our teacher. I confess my sins. In front of these people. I confess that they belong to you. Father I pray that. You would give me clear thoughts. Help me to remember what I studied. But above all else. Father give me truth. We live in a day. When teaching and preaching has become. Who can be most relevant. Or relatable. Father, oftentimes we do that at the price of teaching truth, but there is nothing more relevant than truth. So, Father, reveal your word to us. Thank you for your gift. Thank you that because you resurrected, we too have resurrection of life.
And so, Father, I pray this and I ask this in your Son's precious name. And if you're awake this morning, say amen. amen. All right, let's get to it. Why are you here? Well, it's Easter. But why are you here? Why am, why am I here? Where are my glasses? There they are. All right, I can't see anymore. All right. By the way, first sermon ever that I've had to increase the font size in order to see it. So, new chapter in my life here. All right. Thankful for the resurrection as I slowly do decay. All right. Why are we here? Why am I here? What is this thing called life? Is there a purpose? Is there a plan? I mean, think about it. Or are we just repeating our days until they are done on this spinning, evolving rock called earth? Where are we going? Does history have a a, a time and a place and a plan to it all? Or is this just a series of sunsets and sunrises as we move forward with absolutely no real meaning? Now, this is not the usual introduction to an Easter message, I confess. Some of you might say, I am more depressed now than when I came in, Pastor. Is this not a time of rejoicing? A time when we celebrate the empty grave. A time when we are reminded that death has been conquered. The grave has been defeated. Salvation has been provided. And to that, we all say, Amen and Amen. Amen? Wow! Of course we declare that. But I fear sometimes in our desire to market Easter. That we don't take heed to the empty grave. You see, it is not enough just to know it. It's not enough just to celebrate it. We must see that the empty grave is what gives us purpose to all that we have done in our lives, all that we are doing now, and all that we will ever ever do. History has a plan. It has a purpose. And here it is. It has a destination. And it all travels through the empty grave of Jesus Christ. And with that empty grave comes a word that mankind so desperately wants to escape That word is accountability. My friend, history is going somewhere. History has a plan. And since this is true, we must answer one question. What is my role? What is my responsibility in history? Whether it be in the past, the present, or the future. And what I want us to see here is that God has a master plan for your life and for mine. The same way he had a master plan for Israel. It's not like God had a master plan for Israel only and then he just kind of let us spiral out of control from there. There are, there are principles that we can draw from this. By the way, the first message ever recorded by the Apostle Paul and his longest. And it's on Easter. You're never getting out of here. You think I'm joking? That's so cute. What is that plan? Let's take a look at it. Paul knew his audience well. Paul knew his audience well. They are religious and they are familiar with the Scriptures. They are religious and they are familiar with the Scriptures. Truth of the matter is, just like most, if not all of us today, 
whether, whether you only come on Christmas and Easter or you're here every day, there's, there's this tip of the hat of religiosity, if you will, and a little familiar with Scripture. So he starts out with what they share in common, like any good communicator would. And what they share in common is the nation of Israel and the Old Testament Scriptures. In fact, you see it just come right out. He says, men of Israel and those of you who fear God... This simply means Jews and Gentiles. Men of Israel is the Jews. Those who fear God are are proselytes. They're Gentiles. They're people like you and I who have decided to tip our hat to the one true God. Now I want you to see what Paul says next. So since he's talking to everyone, including us, let's take a look at what he says here next. He says the words, listen. Now, there's a reason why he says the word listens, because finish a sentence, and it, it actually finishes with the same word here, if I can give you a hint, because we are not good at what? Talk to me, church. Oh, what is quick, what is easy, what is now? He says, listen. You want to know why he says listens? Because they don't. And truth of the matter, either do we. What was my message two weeks ago? Go. No, don't. I don't need to be discouraged, all right? And in truth, I don't remember either, all right? He says, listen. Stop. No, I'm just teasing. I said, listen. I'm just teasing you. He knew that what he was about to say is the single most important message they would ever hear. Put your phone down. This is the most important message you will ever hear in your life. So he departs from the simple pleasure, ple- pleasantries. And in love, he tells them, don't fade away. So my friends, I say the same thing to you today. Listen. Listen. For we are about to hear the whole plan of God and his purpose and how you and I and we still fit into it. And by the way, it has a destination. So here we go. Look at this. He says, the God of his people Israel, he chose your fathers. You can see that right there. So what does this mean to us today? I want you to really focus in on the word God chose. It means from the beginning, God is in control of all of history and all of purpose in life. I need you to grab that here. God is in complete control of your life as well. And here it is. God chooses everything. God chooses everything. We are not spinning in oblivion on a rock called earth. God is turning this rock according to his will and to his pleasure. But pastor, can we just get to the Easter egg hunt some pastel colors and some some milk chocolate because it's Easter? And the answer is no, no, and soon, all right? Especially those Cadbury egg chocolates. I'm telling you what. They just need to put an IV right there. For his glory and honor alone. God chooses everything. So powerful is God that when even when Israel was in slavery for 400 years, the Exodus, Egyptians, Moses, all of that. Look at this. God made his people great during their time in the land of Egypt. Now, how in the world can you be great when you are slaves? Well, they grew not only in population, but they grew in ability. And he did it because he chose to. 
It was part of his plan. And look at this. He did it with an uplifted arm, which describes the power of God. And so powerful is our God that even after he delivered them from, from slavery, you remember the plagues, it was all God. They didn't do it. Even after he delivered them from slavery, he sovereignly took care of them in the wilderness for 40 years, both both physically with manna and quail and water and direction and purpose, but he took care of them spiritually as well. Now, how in the world did he take care of them spiritually? Take a look at this. He put up with you. We all know what that feels like. This is, does more than just show us that God is in complete control, but rather, here it is, and if you would affirm it with an amen, God is gracious in His control. He's gracious. Israel did not behave themselves in the wilderness, just like you did not behave yourselves this week. That's the heart of man. They did not behave themselves in the wilderness and God patiently put up with them. This word to put up means to bear with someone's manners or moods. Now, every one of us knows this Greek word intimately in our lives. How many of you have ever had to put up with a manner or a mood of someone you have chosen to love? Anyone at all? We call that marriage, all right? And you can say, well, I'm not married, Pastor. Well, then we call that being alive, all right? How many here have ever at least had a friend? You know what this word means, to put up with moods and manners every day of the week. I tell my daughter's fiancé, we're praying for you. (laughs) Love you, baby, but we are, we are. (laughs) And we tried, Corey, we tried. To put up with someone's manners or moves. Here's a better question. How many here have actually failed at that? Here's the application. We're supposed to desire to be like God. To be like His Son. So we must patiently put up with one another when we fail one another. God tolerates a great deal from us. Maybe you and I can tolerate a great deal from one another relationally. When we fail to meet expectations. So here's what this is all getting at. I want you to see the big picture here. All right. God is doing all the choosing. He chose them. He chose to make them great. He chose to deliver them. He chose to take care of them. He chose to put up with them. He chose to be faithful even when they were not. And even while God does this, I want to hold right here. Don't hit the next button here. Even while God is doing all this gracious and putting up with and being faithful even when they were not faithful, even while God is doing all of this, Israel, although what a reflection of our own heart today, Israel said, thank you, but we would rather have and be like the world. Look at this. They asked for a king. And God gave them Saul. Let me just summarize this briefly. Israel already had a king. And the king was who? Talk to me, church. God. He was their king. That's why he said, here's some judges that can help take care of some things in your nation. But I am your authority. And they say, I understand intellectually you're our authority, but we want to be like everyone else. 
Oh, how the church doesn't struggle with that today. Of course we do. They requested another king in order to be like the other nations. Talk about putting up with moods and manners. They wanted to be like the world. Now, I know this is about Israel's history, but does this not sound like many, if not all, of our hearts today? Christ is the king of the church. Christ is to be Lord of our lives, meaning our will is dead, our desire for His springs forward. Yet how often do we want to be like the world? How often do we want another king? Pastor, where are my pastel Easter eggs? My friends, what Paul is telling them and what we can listen in on because the truth can translate over is this. We are not in a cycle of meaningless sunsets while chasing shadows of religious opinion, but rather we are in the palm of an almighty, all-powerful, all-sovereign God who is faithful even when we are not. And here it is, my friend. God has a purpose. He is in control. Life has meaning. And to that we all say praise God. But hear these words. These words are not mine because it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how well I relate. It doesn't matter how relevant I am. His words matter. Meaningful plan. His meaningful plan comes with a responsibility. And it is here that Paul turns to them And he leans in on the significance of Easter in the empty grave. Now that he unpacks, everything is about this moment. Easter. Up until this point, all of the people in the synagogue are shaking their heads yes. Kind of like what we're doing now. They're shaking their heads yes in agreement, much like we've been doing so far today. These are the words itching ears want to hear. Oh, we love these words, and they are good words, and they are true words. Words like God is in control, God is merciful, God is patient, God is grace, God is all-powerful. And to that we say, Amen! But now Paul will tell them the words they need to hear. And this is where, unfortunately, I think sometimes we fail at Easter. They are the same words we must hear. So here it is. We must listen. We must listen. Because oftentimes we're not good at it. I know I am not. Amy said to me on the way here, she said, did you hear about A, B, and C? What is going on with D, E, and F? And I just go, I don't know. She goes, what do you mean you don't know? You're in the staff meetings. I said, my brain is a sponge. And once that sponge is full, what happens, church? I don't remember anything after that. I just don't remember. We are encouraged here to listen. How is it possible that we can come to church on the the theme of listening? How is it that we can come to church and live in Grand Rapids? A church on every corner, Christian radio, belting out pop theology, colleges, many of which who bear the name of Christ, but have completely abandoned the truth of Christ in pursuit of another king. Oh, do you see the application? We want another king while we bear your name. 
How is it we live in Grand Rapids being so rich in revelation, so rich in resources, so rich in relationships? Could we miss the meaning of life and the purpose of history so badly? Well, the same way Israel did, because we're no different. Take a look at this. He says, you didn't recognize Jesus because you weren't listening. That's the subject, right? You weren't listening. So when he came on the scene, when you heard of him today, you didn't recognize it. Because look at this. Nor what his scriptures say through the prophets. That's Old Testament stuff. Even though you came here every Sabbath. In simple terms, you came to the synagogue every Sabbath. You listened to the word of God. That's the word prophets up there. And you did not hear, you did not understand, and you did not apply any of it, even though you sat under it every Sabbath. Oh, all the application there. Sitting every day, every Sunday, under the Word of God, while desperately desiring to be like the world, is really hard to absorb truth. He says, you did not recognize Jesus or respond to him because you didn't pay attention or desire to understand. All you wanted was easy ritual. Let me say this very clearly. Attending church is not salvation. Just like attending synagogue wasn't. But isn't that what we often want? Anything but the heart, Lord. Anything but the heart. Give me penance. Give me duties. Give me ritual. Give me Christmas. Give me Easter. You know, give me the opportunity to make a donation. But don't ask for my heart. I want to stop here. Is this not many of our hearts today? I remember it's true when I was a little kid, even up to, I don't know, on the way here in the car. (laughs) The words of God might as well be that teacher on Charlie Brown cartoon. You remember that teacher? How many here grew up in the church and that is all you heard? Amen? How many are thankful that's not true anymore? Stop. All right. It's this white noise. How many here are old enough to remember that cartoon? Anyone at all? All right. Come every Sunday to hear the word of God, only to desire to be like the world as we stare at our phones for fear of missing out what might be going on. And we may say, you know what? This is such good application. This is that I appreciate this. But for crying out loud, where are the pastel Easter eggs? Spoiler alert. (laughs) They're not coming. John MacArthur hits this out of the park, talking about um, listening, coming every Sunday, teaching truth. He says this, those who are ignorant of the written word, those who are ignorant of what the Bible says, will be ignorant of who Jesus is. You cannot love Jesus without knowing the word. You can't. Any more than you can grow in love for someone you don't grow in knowledge of. 
Let me say this again. Easter will be nothing more than a holiday. Christianity no more than a culture. If we do not apply what this book says about Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Is Easter a holiday or is it a holy day? Is Christ a culture or is he your creator? Is he a rabbit foot or is he a redeemer and Lord? I want you to remember how Paul started out. God is in control of all things in this plan of history. Now when you add that, he says this. Even when they had carried out all that was written, that word all that is written, that's all Old Testament stuff concerning him. Everything we know about Christ in the New Testament was written in the New Testament. I'm sorry, everything that we know about Christ in the New Testament is written about him in the Old Testament. And now we're getting a little closer to Easter. Take a look at this. Here it is. And let's just, because it's Easter, affirm this. But God raised him from the grave. Amen? That's where we're getting. You might almost see an Easter egg on the horizon. Wait, no, it's not. All right? Now, by the way, I'm not animately opposed to Easter eggs. All right? I just don't want it to become the focus. This is the plan of God from the beginning. Look, it says this. God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus from the dead. And finally, we have reached Easter. The empty tomb, the resurrection. We started out with the question, where is history going? My friends, all of history, what was, what is today, and what will be in the future is threaded through the eye of the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Our Easter is about Jesus Christ rising from the grave. Our past is about the empty grave. Our tomorrow is about Jesus rising from the grave. Our work, our grandchildren, our lives, our possessions, our very next breath is about the fact that Jesus is not dead. You see, the answer to the question, what is life all about? It's not found in your pocketbook. It's not found on your phone. What is life all about? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? What is my future? My desires, my joy. What is it all about? Oh, my friends, it is about the resurrected Jesus Christ. Oh, Paul said in Romans, for all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus and in Jesus and for him. All life is held together and he is to have first place in everything for from him and through him and to him are all things to be glory forever and ever and ever and ever amen it's all about the empty grave now you see my friends god is moving history forward but to where where here it is An unbelievable climax, the reign of Christ. Everything is moving towards the reign of Christ. And you are His creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. And that purpose is not to seek another king. That purpose is not to be relevant in a world. That purpose is to glorify Christ. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and His plan is moving forward. And the question we must ask as we stare at the empty grave this morning is what is my responsibility with an empty grave? Well, maybe now, those fuzzy, bunny, pastel Easter eggs we so desperately romanticize today evaporate in the surpassing power and glory of an empty tomb. 
But we must ask ourselves the simple question. If God is in control and the grave is empty and he has a plan, then what is the destination and where do I fit into it? We cannot come to church every Sunday like they did in the synagogue and not answer this simple question. What destination? He says the words here and we're almost done. And then once we get done unpacking this interesting Easter text, the application will explode. Therefore, let it be known to you, again, everyone, Jews and Gentiles. It's written in the plural. He might as well just say, listen, all y'all, y'all. I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago and some friends of ours that were a transplant from Michigan are now speaking like Nashville. It's disgusting. All right. Clearly, they're drifting from the faith, but they're like, y'all coming down? I'm like, I don't know who that is. You know, Christians enunciate. All right, no. He might as well said, y'all. I don't know how to spell that. All of us. He says this, through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Oh, the empty grave. Through the shed blood of the cross and the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, total forgiveness can be found. By total, Paul emphasizes this. Everyone who believes is freed from all things. Grab that word, all things. Every possible sin you have ever committed can be forgiven. There is only one sin that cannot be forgiven. And it happens more in the pew of a religious heart than anywhere else in the world. And that is the passive rejection of Jesus Christ. You see, we are not forgiven by trying to be good people. We are not forgiven by trying to do good things or rituals or Christmas or Easter or a head knowledge. That is the response to forgiveness, not the means of it. Paul makes it clear. He says this, from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. Let me summarize this. Obeying the Ten Commandments cannot save us because no one can perfectly obey them. Only through Him, only through Jesus, only through that empty grave are we freed from all sin. And when we believe in Him, we stand before God as if we have never sinned. Hence the words, from all things. He has a plan. He has a destination. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy we are saved. But in this, we not only find peace. I want you to grab this church, and I'm going to be asking you a question here, and I would love for you to answer. Not only do we find peace that all of our sins can be forgiven, but we also find that if there can be peace with God, there is an equal truth on the other side of that peace, meaning there are those who are at what with God? War. It's called critical thinking. Intellectual integrity. Let's play a little game here, all right? You see, in order to have a good day, there must be an equal and opposite truth on the other side called a what? Talk to me, church. A bad day. If every day was sunny, 75, no clouds, and I know you're going to have a hard time relating to this, but nothing on your body hurt. Huh? If every day was like that, it was just perfect. And someone said, isn't it a beautiful day? We'd go, uh, it's a day. 
It's a day. How do we know it's a beautiful day? Because we know we live in Michigan, do we not? We get what, four great days a year? All right. And then we usually have to work during them. Can I get a witness on that? My wife the other day goes, it's going to be sunny and 70. I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm inside the whole day. It might as well rain. That's the joy of the Lord in my life. All right. <laughs> but in order to know a good day, you've got to know a bad day. In order to know peace with God, we have to understand there are those who are enemies and at war with God. Let's do this a couple more times. Let's finish this exercise of integrity and critical thinking here. In order to know a good speaker, you must know what it's like to sit under a what? Stop. Don't go any further. Okay. In order to know a nice person, you must experience a bad person. In order to know a good cook, you have had to have eaten your husband's cooking. In order to know a sound sleeper, you must know what it's like to sleep next to a what? A salmon that's been thrown out of water, (laughs) otherwise known as my wife, all right? She apparently is made out of Velcro. The moment she moves, all of the covers go to her. And I'm not bitter. I'm tired but I'm not bitter. Here's what I'm trying to get at. It's my last page. Stay with me. Because all this background study will be for nothing if we don't listen. Here's what I'm trying to get at. In order to be saved, there must be a dying. In order to be found, there must be a lost. In order to be forgiven, there must be a damned. Look at what Paul says here. Therefore, take heed. Take heed. Beware. And do not be scoffers or just marvel. All right? And and here it is. And perish. And perish. Let's hit that button on perish. There it is. What Paul does here is he now he shows them the empty tomb and he grabs a warning passage from the Old Testament in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. I know, boring, but listen. When Israel did not believe that judgment was coming. When Israel did not believe that judgment is coming. Do you believe that the empty grave comes with a responsibility? Because they did not give God their hearts. They were unconvinced about God. They wanted uh, to uh, serve other things, anything, ritual, anything but the heart. And Paul borrows this warning and says its principle stands today. And it stands today, today. Take heed or perish. Sabbath after Sabbath, you hear, but you don't believe. You listen, but but you don't give your heart. And just like in the days of Habakkuk, those who do not believe in God and give Him their heart, will, when He acts, will face judgment. My friends, let me just make this crystal clear. Easter is a day when we celebrate the empty tomb. Oh grave, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? But we must see the responsibility the empty tomb brings to each and 
and every one of us who are in the infinite plan of God. And it is this. Those who, who fail to embrace what God is doing, it will lead to judgment. He warns them not to scoff or just to marvel like their forefathers did in Habakkuk. But we must believe and repent or we will perish. You see, God's plan for history includes redemption, forgiveness, and judgment. My friends, I must confess to you that this is not a normal Easter message, but here it is. It is the whole message. We cannot ignorantly paint the empty tomb of Christ with pastel colors, bright clothing, Easter eggs, family pictures, and chocolate. We must, we must marvel at it with full understanding that we must take heed to it because here it is, and I'm sorry, but here it is. The empty tomb has teeth. Oh, do you see where we have arrived? Life is not meaningless. Paul's message gives an entire survey of a purposeful plan in history. We are not in a meaningless cycle of sunsets and sunrises with nothing more than our appetites to satisfy. But oh, on the contrary, we are on an unmovable, unchangeable, unshakable master plan being executed by an all-powerful, faithful, long-suffering, all-forgiving, cross-bearing, grave-emptying, sin-freeing, mercy-giving, grace-offering God who tells us through the empty grave that all of history is about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Oh, my beloved friends, may we listen this Sunday. Our past can be forgiven. Our present can have a purpose. Our future has a destination. And it is secured not in how good we behave, but rather if we trust in He who conquered the grave. That's Easter. All of it. Oh, my friends and family, Easter is much more than a time than where, where victory over death is decreed. It must also be a time when we, in our hearts, take heed. Because the empty grave comes with responsibility. My friends, history has a beginning. It has a destination. And you're heading there one way or another. And all of it bottlenecks through the empty grave. The destination is the eternal reign of Christ. And since this is, true, this is true, we must answer one question. What then must I do? We must in this order. Listen. Listen to the written word. Accept by faith Jesus Christ. Repent of our sins because of the goodness of God and receive salvation from eternal judgment and joyfully respond to the truth by living for Christ because He has forgiven everything. No longer is it even in our interest to be like the world, to have another king. Just give me Jesus. 
Because the destination is unavoidable. We'll take heed. Because whether we just marvel at it or not listen to it or scoff at it, if we reject it, God's plan is still moving forward. And it brings eternal judgment. So here's the question. Now that you know the plan, where are you at in it? Give him your life. Give him your heart. Turn away from this other king called the world. Run. Run. With all that you have. And repent to Him today. The song we are about to close with can only be sung by those who have given their lives to Jesus. Not their ritual, their life. Through faith and repentance. And you are going to be invited to sing along with this song at a portion of it. But if the words of this song are not true in your heart and you know it, please do not leave here today without making sure. Come shake my hand. Let me show you the empty grave. The blood-stained cross. And eternal joy. There's nothing more glorious than being freed from the slavery of yourself. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your plan. Thank you for your control. Thank you for your power. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for grace so free. But all that we would listen and receive. Father, if there's anyone in this room here today that's just going through the ritual, I ask that the pre-salvational work of your Holy Spirit would fall heavy on this room. Whether they come forward or, or, or afterwards, Lord, may they not leave here without knowing you. Start with me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.